Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Sneddon. This week we are reviewing the umpteenth release um, from This Is Horror. The book is entitled They Don't Come Home Anymore. <laughs> what number? Where does umpteen fall? It's between 14 and 15. Oh, okay. 14, umpteen, I, I don't think it's been that many. But we have reviewed... I guess since since we I don't know I don't want to say partnership but since we've had crossovers with this is horror I think we reviewed every release they've had right yeah and and I foresee us continuing to do this until Michael Wilson begins to disappoint so, he has not failed us yet yeah so we'll see we'll see we have a whole <laughs> review coming up on on they don't come home anymore and we'll see how this goes uh, I don't know we'll, we'll find out. I guess time will tell the next yep. 50 minutes will be very revealing. Right, very revealing. All right. Here is the bio for the author. T E Grau, I believe is how you pronounce it. G R A U is the author of dozens of stories and other written works, including the books, the mission, the lost Aklo stories and the nameless dark, which was nominated for a 2015 Shirley Jackson award for single author collection and ranks as the best selling book published by Lath press L E T H E press. In both 2015 and 2016, a novella, They Don't Come Home Anymore, will be published in on November 28th, 2016 through UK Press. This is or That's right. You are getting this, um, depending on when you're listening, almost a week before it uh, it hits um, the internet. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We're either going to do it really early now or, or months late in the, in the case of South Village. <laughs> yep. So uh, Grau lives in Los Angeles with his wife and daughter and is currently working on his third novella, second collection, and first novel. Are those all the same thing or three separate things? I, I, I don't know. It's that or he has trouble just focusing on one thing. I'm not sure which, mm. which one it is, but I don't know. And whatever works for somebody, right? <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So here's the synopsis for They Don't Come Home Anymore. Uh, the first line here is a quote. Find a safe place to die and make sure it is away from the people and away from the sky. Shirley Jackson Award nominated author T.E. Grau delivers a tale of obsession, alienation, and a teenage girl in search of something beyond the reach of death. But sometimes when, when they journey too far, they don't come home anymore. All right. Put the title right uh, in the synopsis there. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I Rob's saying that for my benefit because... <laughs> Although I titled the document, I was having trouble <laughs> finding the title. Up. Yeah, finding the title. All right, so I have two things to say about this right before we get going. The first is, I read the very first line of this. I had not read the synopsis, which does not indicate this, but um, read the very first line. I thought this is going to be this is going to be about my people. This is going to be about vampires. <laughs> and I'm going to read. Yeah. I'm going to read the line that, that that led me to believe this. Okay. Hetty stood in the doorway, unable to cross the threshold. I swear I got to threshold, and I was like, oh, this could be about vampires. Because of the whole, like, nice. you got to be invited in kind of thing? Yeah. Now, it could be that there could be many reasons that Hetty couldn't cross the threshold, but that's exactly where my mind goes. And it doesn't matter if this is from This is Horror. This could have been like a Daniel Steele book. I would have thought the same thing. <laughs> The other thing that I'm going to go ahead and say at the beginning of this is through the course of this book, and, and I, I'm sure I will elaborate on this at, at, at length throughout the course of the rest of this review, I kept thinking, what the fuck am I reading? Yeah. Did you have that same kind of like, reaction? Yep. To, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm glad it wasn't just me. I was worried that. Maybe it was just me, but it's not just me. So good. All right. There we go. That's the two things I wanted to say before we kick this off. All right. So I've got one before we kick it off, and that is book cover. And as you may know, um, historically, This Is Horror has really good covers for their novellas that they release. And I'm going to go ahead and say that this is no exception. Um, it looks like, so the, the title, They Don't Come Home Anymore, is, is along the top, and it's in kind of an erratic um, all capitals, like really thin, sticky looking, uh, sticky as in like, as of sticks, um, font. So it looks a little crazy, a little, uh, un uneven and irregular. And then in the center, so it's a white cover in the center of the cover is, it looks like a tree and a girl sitting in a rope swing in the tree, 
but the tree is kind of surrounding her on all sides and kind of like wrapping around her almost. And like, it's got these tons of roots and stuff going in all directions, but it looks like it's like almost like a cage or like a, like a sphere that she's inside of. That's made of this tree. Sorry. I put my microphone there. I was so excited about this book cover. I can um, tell. Yeah. So uh good looking cover. If you ask me, I think there's a little cat on one of the branches. I can't get it to enlarge on my screen, so I can't see the the fine detail. But it does look like a like a very nice cover, and and I think pretty fitting for the for the novella. Yeah, just like creepy weirdness. It's a what are we do? What am I reading? Kind of cover. And yeah, and and I hadn't even seen the cover to know it was going to be a what am I reading kind of book. So <laughs> <laughs> it uh, it kicks off with Hetty, who is our protagonist. Um, it, it it does a little bit of the the time travel thing in that mm-hmm. you know we're, we're seeing something and it goes back and it goes back but basically what it comes down to is Hetty our protagonist stumbles across Avery Valancourt um, in a, a kind of hidden away area of the school where not a lot of people go and she's in there and she's smoking which isn't something she should be doing because she's your cheerleader prom queen local mega celebrity um, who's supposed to be perfect. And once Avery is discovered, um, she, she acts a little a little weird um, and, and says some things to Hetty. Uh, one of them being like, you, you might be my only friend or, or you're my best friend at this point or something like that. And then proceeds to basically collapse and be taken away to the hospital. So the last words she spoke to anybody were, were to Hetty, who um, very much looks up to and would want to be friends with Avery. But Avery has never once paid her the, the least bit of attention in all the years they've gone to school together. Yeah. Hetty is our main character. She's the, the eyes through which we see the story for the entire thing. I think it's first person the whole way. Um, from her perspective, I believe I could be wrong about that. Um, and yeah, like Livia said at various points in the book, we're seeing them at different ages, but the majority of, of the story takes place, um, in, in our late teens. I think she's 17 in the story. Mm -hmm. Um, but we do like kind of flash back to, you know, I think age 10 at one point and stuff like that. But, um, the majority of the story takes place not long. I think over the course of maybe several months, um, at the age of like 17 and Hetty at the beginning very much is presented as this, um, forgotten kind of invisible girl who, uh, my first impression of her was she was very meek, very soft spoken. Um, no one really knew or cared who she was. She wasn't picked on. Like there was never like a, you know, she was bullied kind of thing, but it was very much like she was just invisible or forgotten. So in the beginning of the story, we very much have this kind of impression of meekness. And um, after the discovery of Avery, Avery is taken away to the hospital where um, over the course of a little bit of a time, it's revealed to us, the readers, that it it appears Avery has cancer of some kind. There's like rumors going around she's got leukemia. Which uh, is the blood cancer, cancer of the blood, um, and so Hetty, our main character. Um, my impression, Livius, correct me if you or, or tell me if you, you got this differently. Their entire bond that Hetty feels between her and Avery is all grown from that one moment where where uh, Avery said something to her right before she collapsed. Right. Correct. Yes. And everything else that she, you know, that we'll talk about is is her kind of lifelong aspiration, like aspiring to be uh, friends with Avery. Kind of this one moment where Avery says, you, you, you might be my best friend in the world or my only friend in the world, whatever she said, kind of sparked this um, feeling of, of uh, responsibility that Hetty had to try and find a way to save Avery. Yeah, it's um, th- there are some tropes in this book that that um, yeah, you know, w- we've seen in other things. So yeah, Hetty is definitely the the not very popular girl who you know aspires to be like and or be liked by the most popular girl in school. Um, so much to the point that the school basically almost shuts down over her being her being out, and there are candlelit vigils outside the hospital. 
it, it takes a very interesting this 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 story does a lot of different things because it pretty quickly takes us through um, how popularity works and how long you can be popular for <laughs> before it, the tides turn against you. Um, you've got that kind of envy of the, you know, the the golden you know, child of the classroom kind of thing, you know, where, where you've got the almost, I don't want to say mean girls, but that whole, like everybody really looks up to them and they kind of run things because of who they are and how popular they are. Yep. Uh, one of the reasons Hetty is not um, accepted, at least in a school, and it was implied to me is that she kind of comes from a middle-class family um, where Avery is, you know, fantastically wealthy and lives in, in a mansion on several acres. Um, you know, you've got, Hetty's parents, who are your like kind of old school hippies, almost um, definitely you know, old like, school hippies. And, and you know, and, and we've seen that kind of stuff before, but it brings it all together in this super weird story. So Rob had said Hetty wants to figure out a way to save Avery, and Hetty's thought on this, and and God, I, I don't want to like I almost don't want to talk about the rest of the story, right? Like that's, <laughs> but she um. She's not taking a traditional path. No, no, yeah, she's she's not looking for for um you know a miracle cures or, or what are those called clinical trials or anything to to put Avery in. She flat out decides she needs to find a vampire. So maybe maybe it's a traditional path if, if you're from Romania. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's doctors' offices are only open at night in Romania. <laughs> I don't know if you knew this or not. You wear your purple shirt so that you're immune yeah, so to the you, witches. Exactly, and then uh. you go see a vampire. Um, <laughs> that, you know, so. so that's Hetty's idea. She decides um, uh, immortality through becoming undead is the way to save Avery. I mean, it's not the worst idea anybody's ever had. No, it's not. <laughs> so we we go through such a fucking weird story, man. And this is this is where it comes in, where I kind of. So what the fuck am I reading? Because it, it it's it's very serious in that you have a teenager who who you know has developed an attachment to someone and really heartfelt wants to do something to help. Yeah, but then she goes on this comedic journey to 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 find a ludicrous, maybe ludicrous. Um, <laughs> To find Ludacris, the rapper? Yeah, yes, to find Ludacris, which is even weirder, because why is there a rapper in this story? It's a whole side plot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to find what potential we feel is a ludicrous solution to, to a dire problem, and, and she runs into very quirky character, and there's like, I don't know, man, this thing was, it was a little all over the place, right? <sighs> yeah, so... um it, it becomes obvious not too long into probably 30, 35% in that this girl is suffering for some serious delusions. And it really kind of starts with like her exaggerated uh, connection to Avery. But man, you discover like how, first of all, we discover how deep that goes with a flashback to, I think it was Avery's 10th birthday, which was probably one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, do you remember that? Mm -hmm. I do. Um, I don't think it's spoiling anything, but basically, um, suffice it to say that Hetty was not invited to Avery's massive, awesome 10th birthday party, um, but still kind of showed up in a weird way. And I won't spoil what happened, but it was like, wow, this girl has been creepy for a long time. Um, and that was one of the, like, that's when my impression of the character started turning from this was just some meek uh like forgotten loser kid to this girl's got this girl's got issues yeah she's uh yeah she's nuts and um it's pretty crazy. It, it makes her very endearing <laughs> to be quite frank um she also has i'm not going to go into this but she has some other weird things that are hinted at throughout the the course of the book and they do become clearer although maybe not crystal clear towards the end um, but yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, the, the whole thing's only 110 or 120 pages, so we don't really want to go into too much. Um, yeah, that's it. She's, she's looking for, for a solution cause she wants to save this girl. Who's, who's her best friend. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how to, 
to phrase that somebody that she's definitely infatuated with. Yep. Um, without spoiling anything, but I just want to, I'm just going to say something that I thought was like an awesome moment in this, um, without saying what it was or what happened or how it ties into the story, but the cell phones. Yes. Cell that's that's really what I was cool. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's some cool, weird stuff happening. It, it, and like you said, some of it becomes a little clear. Some doesn't necessarily, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's definitely an interesting book. It reminded me, it reminded me of, and this is this is high praise for anybody who's listening. Uh, it reminded me of like some of the quirkier Amanda Gowan characters. Sure, yeah, yeah, I could see that for sure. Like well, out of that stories, Radium I Girls mean, collection. Weird. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, like because well, that's and that's one thing that Amanda does so well is she writes a good story. Where the characters are just like completely fucking sideways in their mind, um, but like in a way where you're like, "Huh, that's charming." And we'll talk a little bit about writing. Uh, one thing that Mister Grau does very, very well, and I was really worried in the first chapter. There was a lot of really heavy prose, like his descriptions of things were really heavy. And I, I really worried that it was going to weigh down the story, but it didn't because I think he did it pretty flawlessly. Do you agree? I have an opinion on that. Okay. So there is one thing that I noticed, um, like definitely more throughout the beginning and middle than toward the end of it. The end for me felt like um, like he shifted into a higher gear because like it sped up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but mi- beginning to middle, there definitely was, and I mean this not necessarily as an insult, but like if I was reading someone's really opinionated blog about a topic, does that make sense to you? Yes. Um, and what I mean by that is like, so if, um, if, if the, the scene that was, we were reading was the the description of the hippie parents it was it was a lot of detail and a lot of description but like in a way where you're reading it as judgment of that thing instead of just like an objective description of what was going on um like that type of thing like there was some sort of subtle like judgment or opinion thrown into the description of of the people or what was happening in a way that I was like Wow, I'm reading someone's ranty blog about something. And that was something that happened a lot in the beginning to the middle um, when we were establishing a lot of the story. Once we got into what would be second, end of second, maybe beginning of beginning through the end of the third act kind of parts of the of the story, you didn't see that very much. But when it was more exposition and, and kind of world building, Ooh. definitely more of this kind of uh, wordy blog kind of feel to the writing. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can see, I can definitely see where, I definitely see what you mean, I guess. Um, can I give an example of, of how I was worried early on, but <laughs> how flawlessly this, this, this actually goes? Sure. So while, while Rob was talking, I was looking for example, and I flipped randomly, I'm 7% into the book, I just flipped randomly to a page and started reading a paragraph, and, and this, I think, is an example of what I'm talking about. Avery's near-complete withdrawal from the school that she once ruled with a disinterested hand sent her fiefdom into a spiral of anxious confusion, throwing the entire construct off kilter. It was as if the brightest bulb of a neon store sign had gone out, leaving the whole text unreadable, the establishment meaningless and therefore irrelevant to passers-by. I picked that kind of at random. And it sounds really wordy, and I was worried that it was going to weigh the story down, but... (laughs) I think he did it so well that I, I I don't think it did at all. Yeah, there were some really good turns of phrases um, and really good descriptions of stuff. I will give you that for sure. Um, I don't know what else we could talk about. It's like I have a list of the other characters that appear in the book, but it doesn't feel like important to talk about from a review standpoint. Uh, we do meet some other really quirky people. Some weirdos. There's some weirdos in here. Where Do you know where this takes place? where this is supposed to take place because i got like a this could be anywhere kind of feel from it like it could be the chicago suburbs or it could be like somewhere in new uh um north carolina or something like that like it had kind of anywhere kind of feel but it was like a a city here's what i i'll tell you 
<laughs> you're gonna I don't know if you're gonna even care about this, but like so I recently rewatched Gross Point Blank. <laughs> so I imagined all Listeners, of this. Taking... <laughs> this is what happened when you didn't take take my my advice and send Rob suggestions for movies from the last twenty years that he could watch yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. So I just imagine this taking place in uh um in the Detroit uh <laughs> the rich suburbs of Detroit. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think it had a location. I was picturing the the northeast. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it, yeah. that's I mean that's probably somewhere where you'd probably find if if you're looking for vampires, I would think Los Angeles and the northeast would be the two places I would look. Yep. Yeah, I would I would have to agree with you on that. <laughs> so yeah, so some other quirky characters, and yeah, we go on this journey with Hetty to find the ultimate cure. For um for Avery, that's it. All I've got on this. Without uh, saying what happens in the end, did you were you for or against the ending? I was for the ending, and maybe we'll do some spoiler talk on this. What do you think? We haven't done one of those in a while. We haven't done one of those in a while. Um, yeah, we could we could do that. All right, we're gonna do that right now. If you're a Patreon subscriber. I don't know if you want to stop and go over to Patreon, but definitely check out Spoiler <laughs> Talk because Rob and I are going to, you're not going to hear it, but we're going to talk about all this right now. All right, Rob and I just took a 10-minute aside <laughs> to um, to do Spoiler Talk over at uh, patreon.com slash bookpodcast. If you're a patron already, you know what that is. If not, a uh, dollar a month will get you some added content occasionally when we feel the need. We definitely felt the need with this story to do some Spoiler Talk. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one thought that I had during spoiler talk, which was something that was tickling the back of my brain while I was reading this story, but that uh, something Rob said, I don't even remember what Rob said, but it, it came, you know, to, to fruition in my mind, what it was that I was thinking. Um, I talked, God, a few episodes ago, I don't remember what book we were reviewing where I was talking about how supernatural can really expand the scope of a story. It occurred to me that having a really imbalanced protagonist does the same thing in that I loved Hetty and we never knew where she was going. <laughs> right. Like, because she had these weird ideas and there's, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, we mentioned cell phones and we mentioned this crazy, you know, this crazy idea of she's going to find a vampire and you know, that I don't care how cool your protagonist is. If, if, if the, if he's of sound mind, he or she is of sound mind they cannot be as interesting. Yeah. They, li- they live this. in a box of normality, kind of. Right. And that's, you know, and I, we were talking about it was during Ed Kurtz's book where yep. I was really talking about how, you know, allowing the supernatural into a story. And this, I'm saying this supernatural side, there are supernatural elements to this story, too. But how it, it opens up horizons um, that can make your story, it, it, for me, far more interesting. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, in this case, it works well. I think that an author can take advantage of an unbalanced or mentally unstable character just to make a story weird in a way that, you know, is obvious. Um, but in this, in this case, the, the, it was such a sleeper of like a, of a reveal that it was just really well done. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you're ready for, oh, you know, I've got a couple quotes. I know I threw one out there earlier, but I just had a couple things I like. Do you have any quotes, Rob? This time, no quotes. Um, yeah. Such a short thing. I just was focused on the story. So um, go for it. Um, I had a couple. I, uh, this is what I just found really, really hilarious. Um, you know, this this again is, is kind of told from Hetty's perspective with the omnipotent narrator. That makes sense, right? But yeah, kind of. No, uh, enough. <laughs> yeah. So there's just this line that said, um, it, "It's as the the um, class starts to turn on Hetty. So now the rumors are starting. The the negative rumors are starting about her, and you know they're talking about um, the the different things that she might be in there for. And here's the quote: "Drugs. Some said heavy drugs, like the kind you buy from black people downtown." That line cracked me up. I just want to just hilarious. Love <laughs> that it. was. I did remember that. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. And then this one is a now former smoker. Um, 
this is from very early on, but she said that uh, her cigarette was mostly gone, but Hetty could tell by the filter that it was one of those long ones, the sort of cigarette that you smoke when you really enjoy smoking. <laughs> See, these little throwaway lines, but they're just really, really great. Um, is that right, true? Did, did you uh, smoke no. the long ones? No, I hated smoking the long ones. But someone who doesn't smoke, I could see why they would think that. Long cigarette uh, means more more time with an individual secret cigarette. I don't know, like I get, I never, and as, as somebody who smoked for <laughs> twenty nine years, like I don't, I, I never, I never got, I never got the hundreds. Yeah, I know, right? That's insane. It, it hurts to say it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> this last one is great, and this is uh Hetty is trying to get into um, the hospital and the hospital, there's security because there's like this vigil in the parking lot. So really they're in Avery's somewhat of a celebrity. So they're really trying to keep everybody out. And she's talking about really walking into a place with, with confidence, like you're supposed to be there. And again, not a new concept, but uh, interesting phrasing here. Confidence pumped to the level of giving zero fucks was portable, at least in theory. Can we talk about that? Because how fucking adorable was was she with the way that she thought that she'd be able to pass for someone who belonged in the hospital just by, like, dressing up like what she thought was a wealthy person? It was, like, the most endearing part yep. of, of the story because she's so fucking off base. But in her mm -hmm. mind, she was like, this is getting me in. And she yeah. was so confident in it. It was just, like, heartbreakingly naive. Yep. I love this character, man. Yeah. This character is, was was. I want to hang out uh, with her. I want to hang out with Hetty. <laughs> you know, for for a character <laughs> progression, one of my favorite, and this is completely out of out of left field. Um. Oh, what the hell? District Nine. Did you ever see the movie District Nine? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. The the main character in that. Yeah. The the guy who's going around and he he's like the the urban housing authority guy, but he's checking in on aliens. Yeah. Like his character arc was amazing in that. And that's how I felt about Hetty in this book. Like <laughs> some of it is our perception. Alien? Yeah, but towards the end, he's like an ultimate like badass. You know what I mean? He starts out as this dork and, and, and through the course of 90 minutes, we see this transformation. And that's kind of how I felt about about Hetty. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much of that was our perception of her at first, kind of like what you said, or how much of it was her strong desire to save Avery. Yeah, maybe transformed her. You know, our perception was a little flawed. I think at the beginning it was it was we were led to believe something that maybe wasn't true. But I think she actually just progressed as a character significantly through the sure. course of one hundred pages. Um, that's all I've got for um for quotes. Just a couple things I I really liked. All right, it's wrap up time. You want to go or should I? After you, fine, sir. Okay, so um, it wasn't too long ago that we reviewed our last this is horror um offering and. I think at the beginning of every wrap-up for a This Is Horror authoring, offering, authoring, offering, I guess, um, I'd say that I've loved everything by This Is Horror, and and, um, and so I kind of have high expectations coming in. In the actual review portion, we, you know, I, you know, I said some stuff that I didn't really care for, I said some stuff that I thought was great, but overall I think this was a really, really well-written story, um, while... Some of the parts in the beginning felt like, you know, overly wordy and stuff like that. Um, and it felt like it may have taken longer than I would have wanted it to. Um, in reality, the end result is that when we figure out what's kind of going on and we see the, the greater, the more detailed, realistic image of Hetty and what she is and what she's capable of and, and, and all that stuff, the surprise is, is that much more um, felt. So I don't think it was something that was just accidental or poor writing. I think it was, it was kind of the red herring. It was the wool over my eyes, um, and it and it, the story was great. The heady character is awesome, and um, I, I would love to see this character not, you know, uh, go on to other stories. I guess is what I'm trying to say because uh, it was just such a cool character. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. The stuff that we see toward the end, which um, we talked a little bit about in the spoiler talk, there were so many awesome things that were just so well written and so well executed um, that we can't talk about in order to not spoil. That overall, my impression of this thing was it's just 
a great, greatly written story. Um, it's a wonderful short story. I guess it's a novella, but so it's like a hundred pages or whatever. Um, just really well written, and I was down for it the whole time. I was really bought in. Loved Hetty, and I loved. Um, I'm trying to think of if this is going to be. It's not spoilery at all, but if I had to think of the scale of of the ending of the story, if I had to kind of make an analogy, it's like a Heather's ending. Livius, what do you think about that? You saw Heather's, right? I did recently for the first time. By recently, I mean like a year ago. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, anybody yeah. who's familiar with Heather's, it's obviously not themed to a Heather's ending, but like it's that like such mundane things become something entirely different in a way that's just like it just keep got kept getting bigger in in like the best way possible. And um yeah, so um while I may have been sounding lukewarm about the story in the regular review, if you jumped over to spoilers, you would have seen all my enthusiasm for the stuff that we don't want to spoil for you. And that is all to say that in my wrap up here I want you to know that this is a great story and I think anybody who read it would get something out of it. So Four and a half stars. This, um, man, what the fuck am I reading? I am still like thinking, what the fuck did I read? Like, that's really where I'm at with this. <laughs> um, this was, uh, in my opinion, a fairly unique um, story. I'm not going to say fairly. It was unique in that we had uh, a, a, a imbalanced protagonist dealing with very caricature-like people throughout the course of it. So a, a lot of the people we see when we talked about the parents, and they're your, your hippie parents, and then there are other characters you meet, and they almost seem like caricatures of real people. So it's got a little bit of a campy um, style to it in, in the people. Like So, for example, we're going to talk about this, but like there's a guy who runs an occult bookstore and he's just like a caricature of a guy who runs an occult bookstore. And then there's these other characters we meet. So you've got that. But at its heart, it has a very serious um, story uh, about obsession and, and maybe somebody who's mentally imbalanced and the lengths that they're willing to go to to, to get what they want, um, which is the you know affection of, of somebody that they're infatuated with. There are definitely some horror elements. I don't think we really talked a lot about that, and that's okay. It's from This Is Horror, so if you're, that shouldn't catch you off guard if you're, if you know, if you just see the name of the press, even if you're not familiar with the rest of their work. Um, God damn it, I loved Hetty. I loved Hetty so much. Um, one problem with the book we talked about in spoilers, um, as far as in spoiler talk, as far as for me, it was it was a little bit of an issue, something that that stuck out um, pretty seriously for me. Um, overall. This thing was all over the place, and God damn it, I really, really liked it. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna say two things. So first, I'm gonna say this is not the best. This is horror novella that that we've reviewed, um, but it's my favorite. This is horror novella that we've <laughs> reviewed. So think about that for a second. Um, not something I would recommend to absolutely everybody because I think it's a really quirky and, and weird story. Um, I think the people that get it will love it, and I think there are some people who would read this and and, and not get it. Um, back and forth back and forth i i think rob's on to something with four and a half stars but like really really high four and a half stars <laughs> if you start going into quarter stars this late in the year i'm gonna really freak out <laughs> oh no, no i just it's like ah you know it, yeah. it's it's something holding me back from 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 giving it five stars but god damn it i liked it i enjoyed it more than i've enjoyed other five star books if that makes sense yeah yeah so i think this is another successful this is horror they they've kind of retained their their reputation they've maintained their reputation as as putting out really just kind of the best of the best and this goes back to I'm gonna actually look in the end of because I actually have a I have something to a point of contention at the end of the book here. I don't know if you notice this. Did you look at the page where it says other books by This Is Horror? No. I mean I saw it. I, I know it yeah, but I I didn't obviously I missed something. Also from This Is Horror, A House at the Bottom of the Lake by Josh Mallerman. We read we read and reviewed that. Mm -hmm. The Visible Filth, we gave really high ratings to. Water mm -hmm. for Drowning, we gave really high ratings to. Elvis Room, uh, mm -hmm. Stephen Graham Jones, we fucking loved that. 
Chalk by Pat Gadigan. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Where the kid goes missing and it's yep. creepy as hell. Mm-hmm. Game, we love that one. Uh, Roadkill by Joseph DeLacy. Mm-hmm. We like that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything missing? The moment I say it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. But there is a title missing here. What's missing? The Fox. Oh, yeah. We read The Fox, which was another This Is Horror title, which they don't mm-hmm. have in there. And I believe there was also one, one other one, um, which we did not review, um, which is like a yellow man or something weird like that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think it was their very first one that yeah. we didn't review. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> we're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We're seven titles out of eight, and then we've rated them all very highly. So I think This Is Horror is doing a wonderful job uh, with the stuff that they're putting out. Do you think they just... They, like I don't know, they're falling out with Conrad Williams. I mean, that's that's the thing. Right now, Michael Wilson, I guarantee you, is like, oh shit! <laughs> it's a typo, and we're like, they definitely got in a fight. He's over yeah. there. He's over there in Tokyo right now, not even concerned about tsunamis and Fukushima and, and earthquakes and stuff because he's like, I forgot to put that title in there, and Robin Livy has called me out on it. <laughs> that's right. So. um yeah, God, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this book. Like, I feel, I feel like, like I, I should have given it five stars. Just give it but five, I, man. There's nothing holding you back. God, retroactively, well, I can go back and something holding it. you back. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna give it five. I fucking enjoyed the shit out of this. <laughs> Do you know you want to tweet uh, the author right now while we're recording so he knows? We can pause to do that. Yeah, I don't know. You just it. seem so passionate about it. I wanted I, to, dude. I fucking love this goddamn thing, Hetty right. man. Hetty's Hetty. All right, so I'm going to say this, and I want to see if you agree. Um, Hetty is the type of character that uh, Josh Deach would write. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually I thought about Deach a little bit, but Amanda Gowan. I'm not going to tweet him because he should listen to this and be worried the whole time. I, you don't have to oh. don't put this in, but <laughs> no, I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> And then, then he's really like, sweating. Oh God, like, yeah, like anybody gives a shit, right? That's what we think. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, um, I, I, I know I, I appreciate how much you love this book, but I have a very important. I have a key Uncanny Valley update. Oh God, what was what was Uncanny Valley again? Don't you fucking start with me, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's what this update is about. So. Um, in the time between, so apparently, and I forget this all the time, but there are people that I work with who listen to like every episode of this podcast. Um, and it's not that I forget because I don't care. I forget because I just forget that people care enough to listen to this. Does if that, does that make sense? It's like, I forget that people completely. Yeah, yeah. I understand 100% because <laughs> I watch the download numbers not moving. <laughs> um, but seriously, uh, um, I had. No less than two coworkers come up to me, entirely independent of each other, and be like, "Yeah, uncanny valley is such an uh, a commonly known term." And then that sucked in other people into the conversation, where I've probably had validation from a good ten people I work with that uncanny valley is a commonly known term. Can I? I'm not saying I don't believe you. <laughs> you can speak directly to them because you know they're going to be listening to this. Can I can please on Twitter, Facebook, something? If you're with me and had no idea what Uncanny Valley was, would you please chime in on my side on this? Because I, I, I do you just, think I'm getting like the Trump votes over here? Yeah, I, I, I find it so difficult to believe that it's like this widespread thing that everybody knows, <laughs> and somehow it didn't even ring a bell. Like you said earlier, Fukushima, right? Yeah. And here's what I thought exactly when you said that. I was like, yeah, I've heard that before, but I have no fucking idea what it is. Are you fucking serious? Now, if I would have... Yes, I'm I'm very serious. Uh. If I would have heard Uncanny Valley and been like, yeah, I've heard about that thing, but I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? But it's like... Because there are some things that just are of no interest to me. So I hear things and I'm like, okay, I I know that's a thing because people talk about it or or whatever. But no interest in finding out what it is. That the term just didn't sound... At all, like I'd never heard it before. <laughs> so, can we do a little role play? Sure. Um, you're, here's the entire role play. You're gonna you're gonna ask me if I know what Uncanny Valley is, and I'm mm-hmm. going to respond in the way that like literally everybody at at work responded. Okay. So, whenever you're ready. 
Yeah, I'm 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 ready. I'm I'm in I'm right. in full role play mode. Hey, uh you you've heard about Uncanny Valley, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just please, please, listeners, it, it, chime in either way. I mean, if you knew what it was, that that's fine. Uh, you know, I'm not going to tally up votes or anything, but I need to know that I'm not the only person tied to this podcast, either as a listener or yeah. an active participant that that knows or doesn't know what that is. But thank you, thank you, Rob, for pointing that out to me. I, I appreciate you letting me know that I'm the only one in the world. That's not familiar. There's a key Uncanny Valley update there. I actually do have there. There's a group of of coworkers that this is all right. So this is why it's it's weird to me because like we record this and we you know edit it and I post it and you and I just move on with life, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. but people listen to this and then they think something is interesting or or they they have an opinion on what we say. So like it could be two or three weeks later, someone comes up to me and just like jumps in on the conversation that you and I had like three weeks ago. And I'm like, what? But we we figured this out sort of. <laughs> we were talking to writers because we'd be like, hey, in this thing that you wrote, this thing, and they're like, you know, honestly, I don't even remember yeah. that part. And we're like, well, what do you mean? Well, because we read it today and yeah. they wrote it some time ago. So I guess there's something to be said for for that. Huh. Yeah, like, and and... I'll be like, I can't remember what it was, but someone I work with came up to me the other day and was like, did you ever get to the bottom of blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, oh, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's just something that, like, it's it's unexpected. And it makes sense. It makes total sense. But my brain has already kind of, like, categorized that as, like, ancient history. So Right. No, I understand. Hey, I wasn't going to bring up politics or anything, but you did throw out there a key, the key uh, update. Yeah. A key update, yeah. So here's here's a... Here's something that's been it's been bucking me for a few days. Oh God! And I I, I know what you're gonna say, and, and it's fine. You know, Trump supporters is what you're gonna say are, are the problem here. But I, I want to say that I'm commenting on this with some expertise in the subject. So, um, Rob and maybe listeners know that <laughs> I've boycotted Starbucks for years now. It's probably gonna be four years that that I've refused to to spend a dime at Starbucks. It's not important why. Yep. It is kind of I, important I, why, but that's well, okay. I, I, that's okay. But my point is, it's not important as a story. But I, I'm now speaking from somebody who is actively boycotting a company, right? Yes. So I, I have experience in doing this. This Trump Cup thing, it won't leave me alone. Do you know what I'm talking about? Of course I do. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. The worst fucking protest in the world. <laughs> it's elegant in its stupidity. So, oh my God, because I read it and I was like, this has to, I must have accidentally clicked on like an Onion article yeah, or something. And I'm looking, I'm like, no, it's the Washington Post. So I like read it again because I must have misunderstood. For anybody, maybe overseas listeners who aren't familiar, <laughs> at some point, I don't know, like after the election, somebody somewhere at a Starbucks um, wanted that was refused service because they were a Trump supporter. Is that is that accurate? Is that how you understand? Oh, this... I didn't know that. That's how it started. I just thought that right. uh, yeah. it was a general. Nope. Somebody had said that they weren't serving them because they voted or were actively supporting Donald Trump or something like that. Okay. So Trump supporters decided that the way to protest this thing that happened. First of all, at one Starbucks, which you don't protest what happens at one Starbucks because you and I have been in the in the you know retail slash whatever service right. industry for, for a long time. And you know that bad service at, at, at a place, the cashier is rude to you. That's the cashier. That's, right. you know, is it a reflection on the company? Sure. But ultimately, you know, they hire thousands and thousands of people. Right. OK. The protest now is that Trump supporters are going into <laughs> Starbucks and they're ordering cups of coffee and, and you know last starbucks they ask you what your name is and they are saying trump so that a starbucks employee has to write trump on a cup and then they're posting pictures of this with a hashtag trump cup yeah yeah this so, is how they're protesting starbucks by continuing to spend their money in there some of them i have to imagine were just like well i'm gonna go buy a, i wasn't gonna go today but i'm gonna go buy a five dollar cup of coffee just so they have to write Trump on the side yeah, of it. Yeah, fuck you, Starbucks. You have to write Trump on yeah, the side of your cup. Yeah, 
why why isn't Starbucks promoting this? Like you should come in and get a fucking Trump cup so you can show us. <laughs> so this is completely unrelated, um, and we'll get back to the Trump cup thing. I don't know if we've made this clear before, but um, this podcast is not for Trump supporters. We refuse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the worst thing you could do is listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and and then, then and then promote somehow like on like if we heard Trump booked, like if that was a tweet, like a hashtag, yeah. yeah. That would probably be the most damaging thing possible you could do to our podcast. It would break my fucking heart if somebody yeah. did that. So, and we are totally not supporters of Trump. So if you really want to upset somebody who doesn't support Trump, then that's exactly what yeah. you should do. Trump booked. Hashtag Trump booked. Hashtag Trump booked. <laughs> so I brought it. I just seriously for like four days. It's pretty much all I could think about. It's it's so fucking stupid on such a grand scale that you there's really only two possible reactions. Either it's got to be staged, or I can't believe this is the fucking world I live in now. <laughs> That's, it's, yeah, I, I'm not sure which one it is. It's too stupid to be staged. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That is true. Like, you could probably think of a smarter <laughs> way to stage something like this. Yeah, right? I mean, like what you've been doing for four years. <laughs> yeah, just not going there. Yeah, and yeah. not talking about Starbucks and not and just kind of like like surgically removing Starbucks from your life. Is what you've done, and uh, it's been pretty effective. Even though I still forget and, and ask if you want to meet at Starbucks from time to time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this so, is yeah, interesting that's... though, because at different times in our in the duration of our friendship, like I boycotted Starbucks for probably almost a good two years. Mm-hmm. I remember that, and yep. you criticized me for it, or at least made fun of me for it. I have I have yet to. I think really make fun of you for the reason you're boycotting Starbucks, but it's in there. It's in my mind. All right. Well, it's good to know that you're thinking about it. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's got to be four years now, man. And, yeah. and you know, you, you understand how much time and money I spent there, right? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I so think that like they took the, the raspberry white chocolate mocha off the menu. And I'm so fucking angry at them. Cause I still think like, man, you know, it'd be really good right now. <laughs> I said it to you yesterday. You did. That goddamn cinnamon apple spice. <laughs> the cider. Fucking, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could still go for one of those. But Starbucks has yet to apologize to me publicly. Yeah. Hey, so, Mr. Starbuck. Yeah. Hmm? Mr. Yeah. Starbuck needs to tweet you. Um, yeah. Starbucks <laughs> booked or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone, should, everyone should go to Starbucks and get a live cup. <laughs> No, don't do that. Don't see that's don't don't go there. Just don't spend any money there. It would be stupid. Live hashtag hashtag live cup. Yeah, I like Trump booked better. All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so yeah, let's get that trending. Oh god, Trump booked on Twitter. Um, speaking of Twitter, I don't know if this is going to be a regular thing. I just I thought about it because we had a listener um, reach out. M in Portland. Um, who Emily, uh, the EM in Portland on, on Twitter, if you want to follow her, yeah. um, reached out to us to, to tell us that she was enjoying Candle Cove, which she heard us talking about on the podcast. Um, so w- welcome uh, to to, uh, to our newest Twitter follower, M in Portland. Isn't our newest. We get a lot of ones with really unpronounceable groups yeah. of letters, <laughs> and I think they might be bots or, or whatever. Or we get ones that I, I look at sometimes, I'm like, this is just a writer who really wants a follow back from somebody. So uh, we don't necessarily do that very often. But uh, last week we mentioned Storystar, our, our newest follower, which if anybody didn't, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people didn't get it. That That's our friend Misty, who has been our friend for years, but apparently wasn't following us on Twitter. Um, which is why we called it out. But yeah, I think that if we get if we get good interaction from from a listener, we'll we'll call it. So our Twitter follower of the week, M in Portland, welcome and uh, glad you enjoyed Candle Cove. Um, I have not finished it, but uh, Rob, do you have some some spoiler free thoughts on Candle Cove? I do, but first I'm looking at uh, Emily's tweets right now, and um, there's a is couple there a Trump cup in one of them. There's not a, well, I haven't seen a Trump right. cup yet, but right. um, okay. uh, there's one. 
couple originals that I liked. Uh, there's a it's quote, "Give me a fucking break," and un, end quote, and it's attributed to a prostitute submitting a vacation request to the payroll department. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. That's clever. I like that. Um, if a friend posts a Facebook photo of a freshly baked batch of cookies, make sure to point out which ones look like boobs or penises. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. And then there's another one that I like. I'll be your own worst enemy, too. I think Emily is the type of person that would, you know, get along with get along with us well. Well, she she happened. She liked she she's enjoying Candle Cove. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and agree with her on that. Um, and then we're going to try and give her a job with the podcast. But I think first. Um, so you haven't seen how much of. So there's six episodes in the first season. I have of seen Cove. exactly 50 percent. I'll do the math for you. So that's, that's roughly three? three? Okay, yeah, yeah. three. Um, I got through that much math. I, I can't... I was thinking the other day of the, the last year I took a math class, and it was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have Common Core math. Have you seen Common oh Core Oh, my math? God. Core, common Core? It is yeah. It is the most confusing shit. It is math for completely complete idiots who don't know how to math, right? Well, yeah, and here here's the problem. Now, math is one of the things that I was always and still I'm very good at. Like I, I get people at work who are like, did you just do that in your head? And I'm like, yeah. But I, I looked at Common Core math and cannot make <laughs> heads or tails of it. I saw something that fucking mystified me. And it was like, uh, how do you make 10 out of 8 and 6 or something like that? And it's like, well, A, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you start is oh god. Um, but they had some weird fucked up Common Core answer for it, and I'm like, that goes completely against real. It's like, all right, so here's what happened, and I think this is a common theme. Um, the election would reflect that a little bit. Instead of trying to to not be idiots anymore, all the idiots got together and they're like, let's just make math that makes sense for us. Oddly enough, Donald Trump said he was going to get rid of Common Core math. That's one of the things get out he of ran here. on. Yeah, yeah. Well, that doesn't I mean, it wasn't sense. like something he ran on; like it was a policy talk about all the time. But he did say that that was something he that, was going to do if he was president. See, that could have swayed my vote. And you know what? And, and who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, that was the deal breaker for some people. Like he just <laughs> said he was going to get rid of Common Core. Because I'm sick of spending six hours trying to do ten arithmetic problems <laughs> with my nine-year-old. It's like I've got all these apples and they're rotting in the in the shed. Can I tell you about the dream I had last night? Did I tell you about this at all? Or this no? is I'm going to tell you that the the tail end of this podcast is starting to remind me a little bit of they don't come home anymore. <laughs> a little bit scattered. And that I absolutely adore it and it's great. But yeah, it's a little all over the place. Tell me about your dream, Rob. So this is it's a really short. It's what I woke up to. Um, so it was a very short, quick dream. It won't take long to explain, but um, in my dream, uh, I was in a hotel room, like the like the living room part of a suite in a hotel room, and Trump was there with his kind of entourage of people, and he could dunk. So there was a basketball basketball hoop. I was going to say, how would you know if there wasn't a basketball hoop? But there you go. And that motherfucker was dunking like over and over again. And Obama was there too, <laughs> and Obama could not dunk. And everybody was really surprised and really disappointed. Um, but then it, it it occurred to me, I, I figured out why it was because they were lowering the hoop for for Trump, um, and it was a higher it was raised higher when when Obama was trying to dunk and couldn't dunk, and then I dunked because it was like it was the hoop was like seven feet up, so it was like. I could dunk just standing there by holding the ball with my hand. So I dunked at the end of the dream, and then I woke up. That's, that's an amazing dream to have, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not the most subtle, and it's like kind of, you know, it, it, it's pretty obvious what, so what it means. You had this dream last night? <laughs> it was when I woke up this morning, yeah. So tonight I watched the news, and one of the things on the news, and again, I wasn't going to bring this up, but... Now that you're talking about it, it's interesting because I just saw um, President Barack Obama giving out the Medal of Freedom to 21 people. I mean, I saw the abbreviated like four minute news clip of it. Yeah. 
But there he is in a room with Michael Jordan and Will Chamberlain. <laughs> what? Get out of here. I, yeah, they both got medals of freedom. But, well, I know Michael Jordan. Yeah, Will Chamberlain did because they made a big deal about how he had to like squat down for Obama to put the, the, the mm. medal around him. But I was watching this going, well, because <laughs> here are other people that got that got medals of freedom. Yeah. Robert De Niro. Bruce Springsteen. And Ellen DeGeneres, who I'm not going to include in the group with the first two, but I think this is also true of, of her. It's odd that you have these people who are super outspoken against Donald Trump, and all of a sudden they're getting medals of freedom. Did you see Robert De Niro talk about just wanting to punch Donald Trump in the face? No. <laughs> okay, there is a video. He put out like just a, he put out what was meant to be a viral video. Like there's no reason for this video other yeah. than him to talk to people about how much he hates Trump. To the yeah. point where he goes, you know, I just really want to punch him in the face. Then you've got Bruce Springsteen, who has been very outspoken at his concerts against Trump. And I'm pretty sure Ellen had some tweets that were very pointed. But it was just odd to me that all of these people got the highest award that the president can give a civilian. Like weeks yeah. after. <laughs> it just seemed after very, they were so vocally slack. against. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, mm. but. But yeah, so I don't know. That whole dunking thing might have been uh, some some foreshadowing on your on your subconscious mind's part of uh, the Medal of Freedom ceremony. I'll be damned. My brain, man. My brain is too advanced for Common Core, and that's where the problem is. I think that is. Now you had mentioned so not <laughs> a little off track, but um, <laughs> more digressions. Yeah. So b- back to Twitter and our Twitter follower. You said we have a job for her. What, what are we talking about here? Oh yeah. So um, can she edit stuff? Because that would be great. Uh, yeah, um, well, that would be great. Um, here's my thought, because we were talking, we were we were kind of bonding on Candle Cove. So I'll talk about what my idea is, and then we'll come back to Candle Cove. But um, she had she had some thoughts on Candle Cove, and then she also recommended another show, um, which just coincidentally, so uh, last night we were hanging out and we were talking about TV shows a little bit. And I had mentioned that I had start watching. I had started watching um, the Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, which is a show on BBC America, which is an adaptation of the two Dirk Gently books that uh, were written by Ed Douglas Adams, who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, and I was talking to Livius about how I'd watched the first few episodes, and it was way darker than the books were, um, and and I was digging it, but it was strange. And so when um, Emily on Twitter was talking to us about candle cove she had just mentioned hey you sh- you might also want to check out this dirk gently show and livius responded that hey rob was just talking about the other night so this made me think what do we do when we agree with someone who knows about the podcast we offer to put them to work we put them to work that's the first thing we do so yep. uh emily if you're listening which i know you are how about whenever you want to you send us in a little uh little clip about uh, your thoughts on what's going on in TV, and we can add that to the to the podcast. That is a great idea, Rob. And if we I, don't I like it, we'll thinking. just stop talking to her. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no kidding. I, I'm telling you, we, we were on to this a while ago. If we continue to do this, we can outsource this whole podcast. Sure, absolutely. And, like, and it won't be it won't be like when I said we could just pay people in India like two dollars an hour to do this podcast for us. I mean, like we're talking with like American based people. Was that supposed to be racist? I had a conversation with someone the other day who was so upset that they called customer service somewhere and had to talk to somebody in, I think it was India. So I offered them a solution which was um, more costly but would guarantee them U.S.-based service. And you know what they did? They didn't do it. They went with a cheaper solution because really – when we say we want American made, we only want American made or American based if it is the same or lower price than the foreign based. <laughs> right. It drives me nuts about people. And I, I run into this frequently enough that it's almost like a game. Like if I can offer the same thing, people do this with recycled stuff too. <laughs> I like, let's just really go completely off the fucking rails, right? <laughs> I'm so into this. <laughs> I, um, I work somewhere where we offer. Uh, recycled versions of a product that you can also purchase non-recycled. 
And I have, on no fewer than 25 occasions, had a conversation that went something like this. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to be a little greener. I'm going to go ahead and get the recycled one. And I go, well, here you go. And they go, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Why does this cost more than the non-recycled one? And I go, well, the process to recycle things sometimes costs considerably more than the process of just making them, you know, the, 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 the non-recycled, the original first way <laughs> or whatever. And they go, oh, that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of bullshit. Um, OK. And then I stand there and watch them because you have to do it and make them watch them <laughs> make the decision. That's the cheaper decision after they just told you that they're kind of committed <laughs> that their priority to doing is something better. Yeah. yeah. And really, their priority is the wallet. Yeah. So the same thing happened. So when I said that, yes, it was racist. <laughs> If you could be racist against white people, because I do believe last episode I said that wasn't possible. That's but my that's, superpower. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's um, that's really how it works. So there you go. Well, we can have American based outsource podcasting for anybody who cares at the same price, which is zero dollars <laughs> says we would if we just paid someone in India to do it. All right. I, I, I don't I don't understand that last part. It was maybe a little more too common core for me, but um. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right. Next episode <laughs> is an interlude. This is my favorite episode which, in a long time. I know this sounded like an interlude, at least for the last 45 <laughs> minutes or however long we've been going on. So look forward to more of this um, next week. The following week, I do believe um, we will be reviewing Warren Ellis. So we're giving Warren Ellis another shot. Let's do a little history on Warren Ellis. <sighs> yeah. um, as far as this podcast goes, one of my favorite books of all time is called Crooked Little Vein. It came out eight, nine years ago, maybe, by Warren Ellis. It's a shorter book. It is fantastic. Um, I highly recommend you read it. Warren Ellis mostly writes comic books, um, which I'm not a huge fan of. I try and I try and I just can't get into them. So when he was writing a novel three years ago, Rob, four years ago, roughly? Uh, yeah, this was like twenty, the beginning of 2013, I think. Yeah. Gun Machine, nobody. Warren Ellis wasn't as excited as I was to, to about that book. <laughs> so we reviewed it, and ultimately it turned out to be uh, disappointing in that it wasn't a terrible book. But when your expectations are so high, having like a three-star book come across from somebody who has written one of your top ten favorite books of all time, hugely disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. we were we were unanimous in our in our disappointment. Paul um, Tremblay reviewed it with us too. Yeah, and he was excited too because he's a fan of Warren Ellis. He he mm -hmm. he appreciates the the what Warren Ellis is capable of. And I will back up Olivius. One of the little final books that I read before we started this podcast was Crooked Little Vein. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Livius had also had me read other books that I wasn't as excited about, but Crooked Little Vein stand, <laughs> <laughs> stands out to me as being something I really enjoyed reading. So I, all, I too, was as enthusiastic about Gun Machine and so um, similarly disappointed. But either we're gluttons for punishment or we're very fair people because we're giving Warren another go. Yeah, interestingly enough, it did come out here in a serialized version, four four <laughs> parts, I think, which was probably a little too weird for us to do. So the the you know omnibus edition or whatever, like three hundred page version, um, should be out, I think, on the 29th. So that's going to be two episodes from now. And that's probably going to lead us pretty close into the holiday extravaganza spectacular. Yeah, I've already. I'm going to say that because part of our spook. Oh no, sorry, spooktacular is already done. Rob's been drinking a little bit today. Um, I, I don't know if you know, I was drinking beer while we were recording so far. I'm shocked. Are you surprised shocked. by that? Um, sure. This one is only, I want to say, like 13% alcohol. Not that big. Anyway, what was I saying? <laughs> Something about normal by Warren Ellis. Oh, no. we were, uh, You were saying the, the holiday episode something, uh, something. Yeah. One of the things that we do... <laughs> I, I, you can tell how much I cared about this topic. One of the things we do with our with our Christmas, uh, our, our holiday, excuse me. We want to be inclusive. Yeah, right? holiday episode is that we do the gift exchange, and I've already got gifts chosen for uh, Livius and Amanda. 
Haven't Holy bought crap. Them. Holy crap. I forgot we have to do that. Not like forgot, but I should probably get on that. Yeah, because uh, we got to get them shipped and everything. So I've got Livius and Amanda figured out. Jesse, it's like, who do you? what do you buy for the guy that's already got all the liquor? I was going to say, I'm sure it's going to be liquor, <laughs> but you could go crazy and get him something that's not liquor. Can we Can we please put a fork in this podcast? Because <laughs> I'm just, I'm, 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 oh my God, I'm in my mind reliving the last like half an hour. And I'm like, where where did we go wrong? What what happened? I'm having this, so much fun. It's because I've been drinking. Um, yeah, all right, I'm having so. fun because you were drinking. <laughs> Join us uh, next episode for an interlude where probably I'll drink more and we'll talk about whatever. And maybe maybe we'll have something from our, our newest possibly member of the podcast, Emily. I'm excited about this. You never know. Until next time, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.